This is Void News, an independent grassroots news organization. We are reporting the underreported with no influence, no bias, and no agendas. You're with me, Jesse Coglin. Let's go through the news in this week's Cover the Week. Have nine stories to cover today. Let's start off in Myanmar, where earlier last week the military junta released a statement on the state-ran television service that they will be releasing around 5,600 people who were arrested for protesting against their government. They have claimed the release is for humanitarian reasons, blaming opposition groups, which they made illegal for stoking unrest. The series of videos that I shared on the Instagram show widespread anti-coup protests which took place across Myanmar over the weekend and into today. Uh, these are still going on later into the week. In some of the videos, the demonstrators can be seen carrying the flag of the National League for Democracy, the NLD, the country's former ruling party which was overthrown in the 2021 military coup. The protesters are in support of reinstating the National Unity Government, or the NUG, the NUG, consisting of the NLD and other parties which constituted the government of Myanmar before the military coup. The NUG has been declared a terror organization by the State Administration Council, which is the country's ruling military junta. In May of 2021, the NUG formed the People's Defense Force and launched what they called a defensive war against the State Administration Council. Across to India, and earlier in the week, 25 people died in flooding and landslides due to heavy rains across India. The first video over on the Instagram again shows a house that was swept away into a large body of water, like a river, in the state of Kerala in the country's southwest. The second video shows a flooded street in Naintial, a town in the country's northern state of Uttarakhand. The flooding there is due to the overflowing of the Nainital Lake and in the video that is shared on the Instagram you can see how heavy the flood water is it, it's pouring down the street in the middle of of the of a town like it's a river um, very scary over to Chile on Monday widespread protests broke out across Chile regarding the second anniversary of the social uprising known as the Estadio Social or the social outburst the Esteo Social started October 2019 in Santiago. Secondary school students coordinated a fair evasion protest in response to a fair increase by the Santiago Metro. The protest grew to include spontaneous takeovers of main train stations leading to confrontations with the National Police Force, the Carabineros de Chile. As the protests spread to other cities in Chile, the scope of issues protested grew to encompass the increased corruption in politics, privatization of public assets, rising cost of living and inequality. The videos that I've shared on the Instagram show the demonstration in Santiago with authorities using water cannons and tear gas to disperse protesters. The Chilean police announced that 450 people were arrested with police reports stating that police stations, shops and other buildings were vandalized and robbed. The demonstration also coincided with the Chilean government announcing the drafting of a new constitution. This constitution would replace the Chile's current which was enacted in 1980 under the military dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet. Across to uh, Australian type news now, 
the naval forces from Australia, Japan, the UK, and the US took part in the Maritime Partnership Exercise, or the MPX, in 2021 to conduct naval training in the Bay of Bengal, which took place from October 15th to the 18th. Uh, participating from the Royal Australian Navy were the Anzac-class frigate HMS Ballarat and HMS Sirius, a fleet replenishment vessel converted from a commercial tanker. Carrier Strike Group 21 participated from the Royal British Navy, including the aircraft carrier the HMS Queen Elizabeth. The Japan Maritime Self-Defence Force participated with the helicopter carrier the JS Kaga and the destroyer JS Marasami. The U.S. Navy participated, participants included the Carrier Stripe Group 1 and, Air, and Carrier Air Wing 2, including Carrier Stripe Group 1's flagship aircraft carrier, the USS Carl Vinson. The training focused on in, engaging in enhanced planning, advanced maritime communication operations, anti-submarine warfare operations, air warfare operations, live fire gunnery events, replenishments at sea, cross-tech flight operations, and maritime interdiction operations. Donald Trump is to launch a social network called Truth Social. The former U.S. President Donald Trump released a statement today through the Trump Media, uh, a statement earlier this week, I should say, through the Trump Media and Technology Group with plans to launch a social network named Truth Social. The Truth Social webpage states that Truth Social is America's big tent social media platform that encourages an open, free, and honest global conversation without discriminating against political ideology. Uh, the former President Trump stated, I created Truth Social and TMTG, that's Trump Media and Technology Group, to stand up to the tyranny of big tech. We live in a world where the Taliban has a huge presence on Twitter, yet your favorite American president has been silenced. This is unacceptable. The statement continues with, I'm excited to send out my first Truth on Truth Social very soon. TMTG was founded with a mission to give a voice to all. I'm excited to soon begin sharing my thoughts on Truth Social and to fight back against big tech. Anyone ask me, why doesn't someone stand up to big tech? Well, we will be very soon. The Trump Media and Technology Group also intends to launch a subscription video on demand service named TMTG+. TMTG Plus will feature what the press release says is non-woke entertainment programming, news, podcasts, and more. Truth, Truth Social states they plan to begin a beta launch for their invited guest in November 2021. The press release states a nationwide rollout is expected in the first quarter of 2022. On Thursday, the TGA released their COVID-19 vaccine weekly safety report. I posted a breakdown of the report this week and the totals to date, also adding in this week for the total doses administered. But to go through it, we, we have 1 million, just over 1,900,000 total doses administered with 2,601 events reported, the most there for Pfizer with 1,748. 15 deaths were reported with none linked to the vaccine. That brings the total reports, uh, the AFEI adverse events following immunization reports to 72,011 with 32,600,000 total doses administered meaning that 0.22% of doses had an adverse event.
following immunization. Um, the total reports up until 17th of October has AstraZeneca still with the most ad adverse events reported with 38,901. Second is Pfizer, 32,281. To Bitcoin news now and back to Australian news, the Senate Select Committee on Australia as a technology and financial centre released its final report and list of recommendations focusing on the regulation of cryptocurrencies and digital assets. The report also focuses on the issues relating to debanking of Australian fintechs and other companies, which means that these Australian fintechs and uh, cri cryptocurrency companies were not able to uh, have a bank account at most Australian ins banking institutions. The policy environment for neobanks, it also focused on the policy environment for neobanks in Australia and options to replace the offshore banking unit. The report lists 12 recommendations to increase Australia's competitiveness as a technology and financial hub in the region. The recommendations of note include the establishment of a market licensing regime for digital currency exchanges, amendments to the capital gains tax so that digital asset transactions only create a capital gains tax event when they result in a clear capital gain or loss, and for the government to create a regulatory framework to classify types of crypto assets, bringing them within the Australian Securities and Investments Commission's regulatory perimeter. The recommendations will be debated in the Senate until a bill is produced to then be voted on in the lower and upper houses. In news related to cryptocurrency earlier this week, Bitcoin reached an all-time high, topping at $66,909 according to cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase. To South Korea and via our wars today on Instagram, a Squid Game themed rally was held in South Korea. More than 30,000 people demanded that the government improve workers' rights. The protests were organised by the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, the KCTU, and it took place in 13 cities. The KCTU released 15 demands centred around ensuring workers are more involved in the decision-making process for their companies and extending labour protections to part-time and contract workers. On the same day, Wednesday, October 20, over 500,000 KCTU members were to take part in a general strike, but only around 40 to 50,000 participated according to a provisional estimate by the Ministry of Employment and Labour. Under the Level 4 COVID-19 restrictions in the Greater Seoul area, all rallies are banned with an exemption for single-person demonstrations. And in Seoul, around 12,000 police officers were deployed, setting up bus walls and fences to prevent people gathering. Subway exits were also blocked and trains did not stop at five of Seoul's major stations for two hours. The KCTU produced a Squid Game style promotional video, which also called for government help. The themes presented in Squid Game reportedly resonate with workers as the series protagonist portrays a man who loses his job after the company he works for becomes bankrupt. He participates in a strike which is then suppressed by the police. And our last story for today is over to um, the Wuhan laboratory. The docs reveal that there is a possible gain of function research that took place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So the documents were released by the National Institutes of Health, the NIH in the, in the US. 
to the magazine The Intercept, which detail reports of experiments which could be considered gain-of-function research conducted with MERS-CoV virus by the US non-government organization EcoHealth Alliance at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So what is gain-of-function research? It means, in this context, intentionally giving a function to a virus which it did not previously have, such as making it more capable of causing disease, which is pathogenic, or more capable of being able to spread, which is more transmissible, to, and being able to spread to other hosts in order to study it. The research of this type is intended to predict emerging infectious diseases and develop treatments like therapeutics and vaccines. And what is this document that was released? It was a progress report for a grant from the NIH to EcoHealth Alliance titled Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence. The report is a summary of the fifth and final funding year of the grant that was given. What was the possible gain of function research? In the report, it describes an experiment where the receptor binding domains of infectious clones of the MERS-CoV virus were replaced with those of other coronaviruses. From the report, it says, we constructed the full length infectious clone of MERS-CoV, MERS being Middle Eastern, Rep Respiratory, Disease, Middle Eastern Respiratory Symptom, Cove and replaced the RBD of MERS-CoV with the RBDs of various strains of HKU4-related coronaviruses previously identified in bats from different provinces in southern China. The RBD is a part of a virus's spike that allows it to dock to body receptors to gain entry into cells and lead to infection. Now, why would this be considered gain-of-function research? Well, MERS-CoV is a pathogen which is known to infect humans. Changing the way the virus docks to receptors could potentially be giving a function to the MERS-CoV virus, which it did not previously have. And some scientists consider this to not be considered gain-of-function research, as the researcher's intent is integral to defining gain-of-function. In any case, the NIH Principal Deputy Director Lawrence Tabak has requested additional information from EcoHealth Alliance, giving them five days to submit any and all unpublished data from the experiments and work conducted under the grant. That's all the news for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed that recap and I hope you have a great week ahead. Please head, head over to Void News. That's at void.news on Instagram and take a look at the stories that we will be posting this week, of course. Um, we have those up. Uh, I'll be able to recap those for you next week as well. We are available. Uh, this podcast is available on every uh, imaginable way you could think of getting this podcast. I've been able to put this on to Apple, Spotify, Google, um, and we also put it on YouTube and Odyssey as well. So go and follow those channels. We will be working on some more content for you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. Uh, follow us on Instagram at void.news and we'll be around next week to give you the cover of the week for then. Have a good one.